Okay, so these 10-year yields have been soaring. All these treasury yields have been soaring, which is correlated to loans increasing in the rate in general. So I want to kick it over to Starwood Capital, Barry, who's a lot more in tune with what's going on in the world of economics and finance. So I'm Three balls, two strikes, pressure is on. This is where we discuss real estate, property improvement, and business. Together, we'll strategize on how to win. Welcome to the Full Count. I'm going to play some clips of his so we can listen to it and then we can talk about it a little bit and break it down for everyone watching. Check him out. Our economy was going to slow on its own. The $6 trillion of stimulus packages that were given to American consumers, they've spent it. President Biden. And you can see their credit card balance is going through the ceiling. So we were going to slow. On top of that, he decided to really rapidly increase interest rates. He's talking about the Federal Reserve Chairman. He's doing this at a pace we've never seen before. We've never seen rates go up this fast. We could absorb slower increases this quickly. After telling us that rates would be lower longer in December of 21, and then of course he's kept actually easing through May of 22, he was buying corporate bonds. So he pulled a very fast turn. He missed inflation when it was really there because of the lags in the federal data. Our apartment rents went up 20%. We own almost 130,000 apartments in the United States. And he didn't have that in his data. And when rents started to fall, he's now showing the rent increases that were now over a year old. So uh, I don't agree with Larry Fink, and he knows that. I actually think rates will come down in the United States because they'll have to come down. The, you cannot, people who talk about Paul Volcker and say that, you know, he- This is key right here too. During, uh, Trump Powell of, of Volcker, that 22% interest rates slowed inflation. Volcker didn't have a $33 trillion deficit. He had a $200 billion deficit. It didn't matter what rates were. But today, the biggest victim of the Fed increasing rates is actually the federal government that now has to pay 5% on $33 trillion of debt, not all of which rolls today. But And then the second victim are our banks, the regional banks. Which have So I want to just show you how the credit card balances have been growing. It's kind of what he was touching on right now. Um, as we can see during the Great Recession, they skyrocketed, then they went down. And then as we were into 2019, going into 2020, it went back up and then COVID happened. So, you know, people's uh, credit card balances went down because of all the stimulus. So that's kind of what he was touching on, how now it's growing back up. And what happens when it goes up, those credit card balances, usually some issue in the economy essentially happens. And then he was talking about the Federal Reserve chairman left the Fed funds rate very low at 0% for the longest time, you know, so during 2020, he said there was no inflation issue. And then, you know, they were a bit late on that and they realized, oh, shoot, there's a lot of inflation going on with all this stimulus, not only from COVID, but then when President Biden came in with an additional $6 trillion, it just went all the way up. And that's why we're seeing issues right now with uh, mortgage rates. Ten-year yield is also tied to that, too. This little guy right here, this yield, this percentage is tied into the Treasury bonds for the 10-year in terms of the maturity note. And when this ticks up, that's when you see um, mortgage rates, a lot of it in the jumbo loan tied into it. And I know this is a lot of information, but we're going to break it down in a second. But I just want to kind of set the playing field out because at one point we hit 5% in the 10-year yield, and that's what caused a lot of chaos. That's why we got the 8% mortgage interest rate and things like that. I was interested to hear who he said were the biggest victims of this. I think he started saying the federal government. I love for you to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's just one one more thing I want everyone to hear, which is right here from Barry. But on the other hand, we're all trying to lower inflation. And our biggest issue in the United States and the reason the economy remains strong is that we have all these stimulus packages that the government has put together, the CHIPS Act, the, the climate bill, which is really, um, in, they put out over $100 billion in that. You have the trillion-dollar construction bill, infrastructure bill. The cumulative impact of which is actually holding up the U.S. economy while private enterprise is getting a little peaked. So you have a tug of war between the federal government spending and the private sector saying, ouch, these interest rates are hurting. And it's really changing things. And it will create future inflation. Like, we're not building enough homes. Nobody will build enough homes with interest rates this high. So it's really, um, the Fed is hurting themselves. And I, I do think we've seen the, the top of rates in the United States. The only wild card is oil. And obviously there's that that's so look i think i think a lot of people so we're watching this we're watching this guy who's obviously really rich say these look <laughs> interest rates are the most boring thing in the world 
if you were to bring this up on a first date, there wouldn't be a second date. That's kind of the problem is that this stuff is all very boring. And so that's why people stay poor. But I think people that are watching are watching might want to know, hey, look, how does this affect me? So a lot of your the viewers here, mm -hmm. um, they might see a video like that. And there could be a realtor, a buyer or a seller. How can that information help them? Are we going to see a decrease in the numbers of buyers or sellers? Um, are there any tips we can provide them? Any kind of buyer or seller in this market? Are there any creative financing options that we can explore? How can we use inf this information right now to help us in the future? Yeah, so basically there's two different um, opinions going on. The Barry, the Starwood Capital guy, and then Larry Fink, who's in charge, I think, of Blackstone or BlackRock. I think it might be BlackRock. But in any case, they're both finance gurus, right? Billionaires. One thinks uh, rates are going to remain high for a significant amount of time, which is Larry Fink. And then you got Barry saying eventually, very soon, rates are going to have to fall to re-stimulate the economy because of the headwind that it's getting from all these uh, stimulus packages and the debt and the government paying on that debt, right? The interest because it's at that 5% now rather than the 0% where the Fed funds rate was before. So the reason why that's important to buyers and sellers is the market is going to be rocky for the time being. Like last year, of June 2022, till about December, we saw prices slip because of the affordability issue. At the time, rates were, were, were not too high at all last year. And then all of a sudden, they, they went up to 7% and prices slipped then. Now we're looking at earlier in the year, we were around, I think, 3 or 4%, I think 4%. And then we saw now rates are at 8%. So it was very quick to go on during the year and that hurt affordability. And buyers are now seeing the headwind of having to spend so much more on that monthly payment. And in order to meet that demand, sometimes the sellers have to, you know, drop the price a little bit. So that's kind of what we're seeing here. And that's why that video was quite important. And um, I just want to make sure that that kind of makes sense from, from the angle I'm, I'm throwing it at you guys. Well, it sounds to me, and obviously Nick weigh in, it sounds to me like there's not really a tip or a trick. It's, hey, it's going to be rocky for a little bit. Hold on to your butts. Good point. I think the tip, though, I think the there's a, a tip in there for most people is, yeah, hold on. It's going to be an issue. But what about the people that are living in oblivion saying, oh, I'm going to end up buying when the rate drops to 5% or 4%? Because there's a lot of people that think the rates are going to drop to 3% back during the pandemic era. And I think the tip there is it's probably not going to get to that point. They may drop like Barry says, but to what extent? So it's a matter of now just finding uh, the right moment to be able to buy in the near future, hopefully, rather than being on that wish list and never affording a home or purchasing a home for that matter. Yeah. And just on that note, right? So, I mean, <clears throat> they, I, I agree with you, Andrew. I think they will drop. I don't think they'll drop as far as they were. Right. Especially not as rapidly. It's going to take time. Well, that's but, what Barry I mean, said. A lot of people. Yeah. Right. But I think a lot of people also forget, you know, before, before all of our time here, um, there were, there was a time where interest rates were like 20% or something. Right. Right. Um, and what was that back in the seventies, eighties, right? Eighties. Yeah. Seventies yeah. into the eighties, seventies and eighties. And people now kind of, and forgotten about that but it's a complete possibility where it can get that high again you know and as That's far as point yep yeah yeah and as far as you know possible tips or tricks or things that i think i mean being a consumer myself right and, and a buyer um i think that if you are able to find a deal in this type of economy and with these type of interest rates then in either case, it's going to get, it's going to be a deal, right? So if interest rates go up, well, you got the lower interest rate. So as long as you're making cash flow, that's all that really matters, right? Mm -hmm. If rates go down, then you could always refinance and then you're getting more cash flow. So it becomes even of a better deal. So I think it, it really all depends if you, if you do find a deal now, take it. What, there's no reason to wait because if you're going to wait, maybe they'll go up, maybe they'll go down. Mm -hmm. But in either case, if it's cash flow, and that's the main thing that counts at the end of the day. And so, I, so I do it's a work think that works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as far as creative finance, there's, there's always creative financing options. I mean, if, you know, I, I 
follow uh, Pace Morby, right? And he's just one of the mm-hmm. ones who's big on creative finance. And he's consistent. Him and everybody in his community is consistently talking about and finding deals where they do creative finance, right? And helping other people get out of situations that uh, put, have put them in a financial predicament. So there's, there's options out there. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that, Chris? Because I, I think well, it goes no, to different levels too. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that message sounds a lot more positive than, um, you know, the video we watch, which is obviously just a warning. It's identifying the problem. It's a um, warning. Right. Well, it's more of a, you know, a prophecy. Right. And, you know, I, I think we've all, you know, in 2020, early 2020, I was like, should I buy a property? So worried that we're at the top of this thing and mm-hmm. probably should have bought at that point. Didn't buy at that point um, because it's so high. The market's doing so good. It's really you see a lot of people buying at the top of a market and regretting it. But we all know 10 years, 15 years, no matter how high it is right now, that you will so eventually low. make your money. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you know, yeah, real right. estate, especially along the coast area, is a for sure stock that's going to go up at some point, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think, though, the elephant in the room for what he's portraying here is the problem that keeps getting kicked, like the can keeps getting kicked down the road, which is basically that the, the, um, U.S. government owes all this debt. So yeah. Paul Volcker was a federal chairman back in the 80s when, like uh, Nick was saying, those um, mortgage rates were very high and so were the Fed funds rate. But he only had $200 billion in debt for the U.S. government. Now it's at $33 trillion. So that's kind of the pushback he was giving the other guy, Larry Fink, saying, well, he might think that rates are going to keep going up for so long. But Barry's point is eventually those rates have to fall to stimulate the economy or we're going to be in, like in a depression scenario mm-hmm. because the government has to pay 5% as of right now. The Fed funds is like five and a quarter to five and a half percent. They're going to have to pay that interest rate back on top of the, of the debt that we currently have right now. Because over the last years, we've been skipping by surviving by only paying 0% interest rate or one to 2%. And now it's five and yeah. it might keep growing. So that's, yeah. kind that's, of, not, that's not to mention that um, the people in charge of the budget, and uh, have been wildly irresponsible with the money compared to how much is being brought in. Yeah. Right. And they're wildly getting rich off of off of this, too. Yeah. <laughs> but they, you actually make a really good point, Andrew, because I do want to caveat or add to you know, what I said earlier. Right. So based on your point that you just made, where if all this debt to the economy and say we do end up going into, you know, a very deep depression. Um, and home values significantly drop, right? Where people go underwater in their mortgages. Mm-hmm. And I think it, from an investor standpoint, at least, right? If the property is cash flowing and you're and rents are able to stay where it's cash flowing, then you're okay. But then if you have that property value drop, right? right you go underwater and rents also drop, then that's where you're in a predicament. Um, and then for people who are buying houses for themselves, right? If you're able to buy a house, and I mean, you know, so many people are advocates of this, don't necessarily buy um, uh, liabilities, right? Or don't take on more expenses until mm-hmm. you have cash flow to pay for mm-hmm. those expenses, right? So I think following that rule of thumb for somebody that wants to buy their own place, right? And live in it and occupy it. It's, it's still a good rule of thumb, even if we do go into a very deep depression and they go underwater, but right. it depends on where their cash flow is coming from. And that's another reason to diversify. So, Right. And then more than likely, though, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that we're going to hit a depression, but some people might yeah. say that, but probably unlikely, I think. And the only reason why I think that's unlikely is because we're still the yeah. reserve currency in, in the world. And um, yeah. The fact is, of the matter is, and we'll do this on another podcast. We can talk about it a little bit, especially Chris might like this topic, hmm. uh, which is basically to talk about the military industrial complex, which does help our GDP. Um, there's this guy named Andrew Bustamante that basically alluded to the fact that the reason why the U.S. economy's GDP is constantly, you know, it doesn't necessarily go down like it sh- technically should. It's continuing to gradually stay where it's at or go up is because of the military. Um, when there's things going on overseas, our military contractors are constantly making that money and therefore it spills over to our economy, jobs, things like that. When there's war 
in general, dating back to World War II, we've always known war is really good for the economy. The Biden administration, whether, we, whether you're pro-Biden or anti-Biden, the empirical evidence shows that our COVID response under President Biden destroyed the US economy. And most of the first world followed America's lead with our COVID response and destroyed their economies too, which is why you see massive economic collapse all across Europe, all throughout Asia, and all the countries that followed our lead. And now as a result, inflation is rampant, recession is pending. So our government, it's really important to our administration that we never have, we never formally announce a recession. We're in a recession. You feel it, I feel it, everybody watching us feels it, we know it. Our dollar doesn't go as far. It's hard to get people to go to work. Like, life is hard. Mm -hmm. We are in an economic recession. It's not like it was in 2010. But according to economics, as, as outlined by national institutes, we are not yet in a recession because their definition of recession requires two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. We're not gonna have negative GDP growth. Why? Because we're funding a war in Ukraine. Government spending started going into this Ukraine effort. That means the, the federal government started boosting military efforts, they started boosting humanitarian efforts, medical efforts, all of that government spending in an existing industry, the military industrial industry, actually inflated the GDP numbers for those productive segments of the society, of, of the sector, those industrial segments, right? So that's the only reason why I don't think we'll probably go into a depression scenario. Well, so, and I believe he's the one who says this, but if you really do look at the military budget, you hear, you don't really hear as much uh, back and forth during uh, political debates anymore about it. You used to hear a lot more people say, hey, we have to decrease the military budget. The reason that nobody, like no politician is going to get in office and do it is because if you reduce the military budget, you're immediately going to go into recession. Right. And because it, it makes up such a big part of our GDP. Yeah. So no one's going to sit in office for three years in a recession when they have right. the secret answer, which is increase the military budget. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that so much of the economy is dependent on government contracts. Mm -hmm. A lot of right. it for so many That's different companies and manufacturers right. that are here in the U.S. And that, and the, no, hundred percent. And that, and that's why it would make sense, and it would be nice to have someone to, yeah, you know, if they got to do what they got to do and keep the military contracts up, and and you know, the military itself, the budget, fine. But why don't while we're doing that and, and keeping that high, why don't we find a way to diminish? other costs in the, in the country, bring that down. To, Once it's down lo low enough, then we could start gradually bringing down the military uh, budget or well, whatever you, it might you be. Have to have a, you have to have an industry to replace it with, right? right so exactly. whatever That's that true. would be, solar or whatever we get really good at technologically, you have to just constantly replace it. And we are subsidizing electrical vehicles and things of that nature. Maybe that's the move, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe that is the move. But yeah. I, I wanted to also get to, Nick, um, prices may not drop i think they're definitely going to drop um slightly prices if not already it's already kind of happening because of the eight percent mortgage rates um like it did last year of june 2022 to, to december because it it skyrocketed right for that moment yeah. that blimp yeah. but the blimp is happening longer now so therefore the prices are probably going to start sliding a bit more uh, because of the the fact that it increased so much but to push back a little bit the reason why home prices probably will not fall to the extent we're thinking is home sales are down um, about 15% from last year, September this year to September last year, approximately. Mm -hmm. And home prices are still higher than they were in September, right? So that's one. And then to share my screen, I will show you over time. So for example, my parents have had their house up for sale for like the past almost seven, eight months now and, you know, still haven't sold it, but also- You should have hired um, me. Yeah, right. You're not in Florida. Um, but I know we're gonna get into we're gonna get into um Bates selling his house, right? The MLB player. Bets, yeah. How that, yeah. how that price has changed. Right, right. Now I I'd love to hear that. So um going to twenty seventeen, you see the active inventory amount back then. Population was less than two, so there was less people in our age group, right? In our late 20s or early 30s, mid 30s and whatnot, 
there was less people that were able to afford a home, uh, not afford. I'm sorry. Let me take it back. There was less people that were in the place, the marketplace to buy a place. Mm -hmm. And you had 1.4 million homes for sale then in 2017 of July. And now we only have 700, according to September active inventory, we have seven, 701,000 essentially. So you still see the, the inventory levels of what's for sale keeps going down. And that's the problem with the affordability crisis because there's not enough homes for sale. And like Barry was saying in that video, the builders are not going to make as much new homes available for people. So that kind of puts the, the pinch on prices overall. Do home buyers, if you're moving into a new city, do home buyers have any leverage buying a house since sales are down? Or does the lack of in, uh, inventory counteract that to where it's still you're just fighting no matter if you're a buyer or a seller, you're just fighting the other person, right? You, you both have equal leverage almost. To, to an extent, yeah, but the, right now it's becoming more of a buyer's uh, market per se. So there's more leverage on the buyer, um, regardless of what's kind of going on right now, especially if these rates remain significantly higher than they have been over the time. Um, but one thing I did want to throw out there, a tip for everyone, because you had asked earlier, Nick and I were talking a little bit about some things to do. But one of the best things you can do right now when there's a high rate, you go with a two to one buy down. Now, I'm not a mortgage lender, so I don't want to be telling you exactly how this works. But the way it works to some extent, but talk to your person is two to one buy down. Right now, the, the mortgage rate is at 8%. If you take the two to one buy down, you pay a fee to the lender, probably anywhere 20 to $25,000 worth. Um, you could ask the seller if they're willing to go in the middle for you and pay for half of it. You pay for the other half and pay the lender the fee for the two to one buy down where that 8% you now are are at a 6% mortgage interest rate for the first year. The second year, you're now at a 5%. And then the third year, you go back to the 8%. Make sense? So that helps no. you for the first two years just to get in. And yeah. then during that time period, you can always refinance if the rates are way lower. Let's say it goes mm -hmm. back to 4%. Right. Right. Yeah. And you get a cheaper house potentially if the market slips a little bit. Yeah, it's a point. Let's talk about our boy, Mickey Mantle, how you can own a piece of his property. I think uh, mm -hmm. that would be really cool of an idea to do. Yeah, so on Friday, fans of the most beloved Yankee of all time purchased a piece of Mantle's childhood home for just $7 per share. And Sorry. I looked earlier today, and they've all been sold. And it's actually a really cool investment. The reason I looked is because I was going to buy a share, and it was completely sold out, right? But yeah, I, I tried the same thing two days ago. Yeah. Should have done it earlier. There was 47,000 shares, um, $7 per share. So they, they made $329,000. But 2,000 of the shares were given to the residents of the community. Mm. And okay. what's really interesting is that shareholders will be able to vote on any changes to the properties. And if these changes bring in a profit, they'll be the shareholders will receive dividends. And so I like that concept a lot. And it makes you think, is this going to set a trend and, and, you know, we talked last episode about increase of property value after a celebrity has lived there. Yeah. This post-celeb property investment, is this the future? Are we going to see Donald Trump leave Mar-a-Lago and then all of a sudden the MAGA supporters are paying $7 and it's a lot of money? <laughs> I, I could definitely see that. I mean, there's already companies that do that with Airbnbs. Like I've bought a, yeah. I bought a number of different shares for different rental opportunities or different rental properties that are owned by this company and you just get dividends from it. Yeah. Uh-huh. They purchased they purchased it for 175k in 2022, right? So they made oh. 329k. So they basically oh, doubled the value. Yeah. by doing it this way. Okay, got it. Got it. Then my next question would be then in terms of the the shares that you get, however many shares, let's say the roof falls in, right? Does everyone have to now pay a, uh, for the roof according to the percentage of of their share of their home or how does that work if, if by chance you happen to know no i mean that's a great question i think that whenever they're voting on what we're going to do with the property one of the things that was proposed was like for example putting a baseball diamond in the front yard and letting legal little league play there and bringing in some sort of revenue that way mm. but that would be something they would vote on is how are we going to take care of the maintenance like an hoa almost is what it's like an hoa happen. yeah yeah right yeah do you turn into a museum and then, you know, 
people have to pay five dollars or is it just donations there's a lot of things you could do you know mm-hmm. are people can get married at, in front of Mickle, mickey mantle's uh childhood house i mean that itself yeah. would be ten thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars per you know um wedding you know i can yeah. see one of you guys do that That'd I mean, cool. you guys are the Yankees fans. I would do it at Tony Gwynn's house. <laughs> but I think Nick's going to do it then. Maybe we should put him up for I would it. Do it. That would opportunity. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, though. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. I, I think that's a really cool story. It'd be, it'd be cool to see if it continues to compound to other um, famous people and their properties. Well, like I said, like I immediately, when I was reading about it, was went to go pay for it. So I would encourage this to happen again, you know? Yeah. Like, right. think about Jim Morrison, wherever he grew up. There, there's got to be a lot of people that people view an iconic status, like Kirk Cobain's apartment, although it's probably part of a apartment complex, right? But right. things of that nature, you know? Right. I mean, they could also make it into a museum, too. Start putting, you know, yep. Mickey Mantle's memorabilia in there. At the very least. Yeah. At the very least. So I'm um, joining you with a drink. So there we go. Hey, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Um, Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> what are you drinking? Straight vodka. Are you sober, October? <laughs> I think he's always sober, sober October, forever, every day. <laughs> no, I actually just went to um, one of the vineyards, one of my favorite vineyards outside Boston here, in the Shoba Winery, and got like uh, eight, nine bottles of wine because I'm moving. So, when it takes to come back, what? Where, like, what part of America are you moving to? Florida, Tampa. Damn! So you're one of the uh, the Florida um, immigrants. It's no Obviously, Florida's winning the immigrant race right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is. It's a question now whether Nick is going to follow a line with the politics of Florida, or if he's going oh, to no. bring his politics with him. No, no. Nick is trying to get Charlie. What's his name? Cursed elected. Is that his name? Cursed. Who's that? No, hell no. No. Who's Charlie Kirk? Kirk? No, whoever the whoever the Democrat the is, governor. Oh, not Charlie Kirk. Yeah. I, uh, Charlie or no, I have no idea who you guys are talking about. It's Mark. I Kirk. forget his name. Christ, Charlie Christ or something like that. Yeah, um, he's the uh, Ron the DeSantis. Of Florida. He's Ron DeSantis's competition out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gosh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so Nick is the next thing there. I have prepared, I don't know if anybody else has anything prepared, but I have the Edwin Castro Powerball winner who's buying mansions left and right out there. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about, about that. that. So we got Edwin Castro. He's 31 years old. He won the $2 billion Powerball jackpot. <laughs> jackpot. He's <laughs> making headlines again for his lavish spending. He has just purchased his third mansion in L.A., this time oh. for a cool forty-seven million dollars. So, the he bought he bought one in your neck of the woods, Andrew Bel Air. Mm-hmm. It's seven bedrooms, eleven bathrooms, and over sixteen thousand square feet of living space. It also has an infinity pool, spa, movie theater, and Beautiful. wine. Cellar. His mm-hmm. other two mansions are located in the Hollywood Hills in Altadena, which is where he's from, by the way. Okay, the Hollywood Hills mansion mm-hmm. costs twenty-five point five million. While the Altadena mansion cost a humble four million dollars, <laughs> so his purchase of these three mansions in such a short period of time has raised some questions about his financial planning. Some experts yeah. have warned that he's spending too much money too quickly and could risk going broke in the future. He walked away with six hundred million because he took the the payout, and right. you know obviously California is going to tax the hell out of him, so he took like six hundred mil, and. Uh, so he spent about a hundred mil of it already on property, probably not including property taxes. So my question is, and this is questions that Crazy. you know we all think of whenever we're buying a, a lottery ticket, is you know, they say it's usually unwise to hire friends or family, but in a windfall like this, is it smart to have people you can trust working for you to help invest your capital so that it will continue to grow while still allowing you the freedom to enjoy your winnings? Like I've fantasized about the idea of I win the Powerball. My cousin who's an accountant, he's watching my money. I got my sister responding to, you know, basically my PR rep. I got my cousin. He's got a bunch of guns. He's running my security. That's my fantasy when I buy a Powerball ticket. What do you guys think about that? If they're good at what they do, then, and you could trust them. I think that's all that matters. 
Because you're going to have a lot of people knocking on your door saying, hey, I heard you just won. In California, you have to, you can't be yeah. private, a private winner, right? right. So you're going to have people knocking on your door saying, hey, I can help you manage all this money. You know, we'll, we'll triple it in three years. But yeah. you want people around you that you know and trust that you know wouldn't want to see you fail, I think, in this situation. Or you just delete all your friends and live your life on an island. You know what I mean? That's like the yeah. two options, in my opinion. Wait, so... <laughs> I I can't get over how much the state of California took in taxes at one point four billion dollars in taxes. That's absurd. But well, you know, California for you. Yeah, I know. I know. And eighty eighty percent of it goes to public schools, by the way. Eighty eight. That's good. Eighty percent of it goes to public schools. The rest of the twenty percent is majority community college. I'm curious how much goes to the administrators, not the school itself. Yeah, yeah. the cause isn't going to get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 to answer, but but um, Nick, whatever you're going to bring up, bring it up. But make sure to answer Chris's question. I am, I am, I am. Right before we get there, yeah. Did it say Chris what uh, he's doing with all these properties? Is he just buying them to like live in each one of them, or well, planning on doing something else? Well, I mean, uh, he hasn't really spoken a lot about what he's doing, but he did say he's confident in his ability to manage his money and that he's enjoying his new lifestyle. But I think the question is, is he making good financial choices by investing in property? But I think a lot of people could argue, you know, you've always heard the phrase, um, you never want to buy the most expensive house in the neighborhood. Yeah, right. For obvious reasons, right? Because you're Mm -hmm. always going to be the top of the valuation. You're not going to be able if you want to be kind of in the middle or even the bottom of the valuation realistically so you can go right. up with everybody else can i um, can i make a note because i know those uh, three areas pretty well uh altadena you said it was one uh, uh hollywood hills i remember those prices but what was the price of the uh, bel air property the bel air was 47 mil okay so already off the bat not saying this is a good decision he made but already off the bat bel air he's still definitely not the most expensive home there because they're hitting hundred. I've just been in the million. neighborhood though. In the neighborhood, I believe he is like in that his actual neighborhood. I believe I read that he it is the most expensive house in the Bel Air neighborhood. And where he is, and okay, and it's okay, well, okay. Hollywood Hills, twenty five million. That's still a lot, but there's more. But that's mm-hmm. good to note about Bel Air. Altadena, if anything, Altadena four million. I feel like they're a little bit less than that, but um, mm-hmm. I think the real concern here is. He needs to put two and two together and put the math together. Property taxes is going to be so expensive for those houses. Every year mm-hmm. he's got to pay that no matter what. And it's and not like he can write that all off. And upkeep of the property, right? And the upkeep. Yeah. So I don't I don't see how this guy, I don't know if that's the best decision right away. He maybe he should have bought like apartment buildings first, yes. or maybe one beautiful house and then other real estate in different parts of the country. So you're not mm-hmm. just all set in California, in Los Angeles County, for that matter. Well, that That's was exactly my. What I was going to say. That was my second question. Was if this was a close family member of yours, what advice would you give them? Like right now, at this moment, they've already bought the I property. I would say. What advice you have? Yeah, I'd say buy it. <laughs> buy chance. yourself a twenty million dollar home, maybe thirty million if you really think you need it. Right. Yeah. Wait, I don't think he needs to go buying any more properties, though. That's bad advice, Andrew. No, no, no. But my advice is this: from the get go, buy one beautiful home if yes. you really need it want it then buy apartment buildings in other states and yeah. then the rest save that money until you get more knowledgeable and know what the heck you're doing so don't buy too much real estate maybe buy several a couple i mean and then learn finance go to school maybe to grow that money just because you may not know what you're doing in the next couple of years that money will run out rapidly that would be my so advice. right now right now should he go get a refund on two of his properties yes i don't think he can he should sell them, though. He should sell them, hundred percent. Call me, and I will sell them for you. There Call you me, I'll sell them for you, and I will introduce you to my sphere of people that can probably help him with his accounting, CPAs, uh, financial advisors. I can do it all for you. I can right. introduce and you. By the way, Edwin Castro, Edwin, we just want to tell you much love. We respect the win. You're welcome on the podcast anytime. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Your name. anytime, Edwin. Yeah, we want we to, want talk to pick about your brain property. about what, what your thought process is. Exactly. <laughs> Did you buy jet skis first or after? <laughs> There's a very good Tosh.0 joke where he says, 
Um, people who say money doesn't buy happiness. Have you ever seen someone sad on a jet ski? <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> money money does do some wonders for people. So there you go. Cool story. Right. Let's do it. Mookie Bits. Let's talk about it. I'm smoking those Davidoff cigars that we got at uh, your birthday celebration from Ramsey. Oh, what's Ramsey, I got his cigar here too. You're bringing out the big gun. Yep. Tequila. Tequila? I'm sipping on that. There you go. You can't use the Lux. Oh, hey, by the way, I I got something to show you guys. You ready? No, wait, I'm not looking. Can you see my screen? (laughs) I can see your screen. Do you guys see this right here? What is that? What is that? So this is this is from North Korea. This is North Korean whiskey. You're uh, lying, dude. No, I'm serious. Look at it. How the hell did you get that? Why would you want that? You know, it's a Navy thing, but uh, over on the DMZ, yeah. they sell this sort of thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, though, I've tried it one time, and it tastes like something that came from North Korea. Tastes like garbage, <laughs> huh? This might be North Korean water for all I know. Oh, you're going to get sick. Yeah. No, Can you even like, have that? Are you even allowed to have that bottle though? Is it like why not? Tell them to come get me. But it's yeah. basically it tastes like like a little grape whiskey, like a, a grape juice drink. Oh. Uh, just think. Kind of but it's a good, like it's a a good conversation thing. piece, you know. It is a great conversation piece. I, I'm I'm all about that bottle. It looks pretty yeah. cool. Not about North Korea, but it's a cool bottle for sure. Well, it's communism in a drink. Yeah, there you go. It's garbage then. <laughs> it's a bunch of shit. Piss water. Oh, I guess to give everybody a rundown on what's going on. So he, after his last um, World Series championship with the Boston Red Sox, he was mm-hmm. drafted to the LA Dodgers. Right, and this was back in 2020. And when he moved to LA, he bought a house um, that was that is 94. 100 square feet, just a little over. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in February of this year, he put it up for sale for just under 10 million, right? Um, and it was on the market, didn't sell. So he took it off the market in May. And now, like we were talking about before, with home prices going down, he actually put it back on the market for just under 8 mil. It was like seven point okay. six million, right? Oh, um, what a difference! Of oh no, price. that's how much yeah. he purchased it for in uh, in twenty twenty. He put it up for where is it? Seven point nine. Yes. So so just just back just to backtrack yeah, real quick. He bought yeah. it in twenty twenty for how much? He bought it in October of 2020 for 7.6 million. Okay, and then he put it back. He put it on the market earlier this year for just under 10 million. For just under 10 million, right? I wonder why he even and now it's back on it the market. He put it back up for 8.5 million, so he dropped it by 1.5 million. And it has movie theater, Infinity Pool, um, I think like 10 plus bedrooms. So. It's a huge house. It's nice. So he bought it for seven point six million in twenty twenty. Then he put it on the market in twenty twenty three for under ten million. Now he has it on the market for how much? Mookie bets. Now he has it on the market for eight point, just under eight point five. He has it on the market just under eight point five. Okay. It sounds like You're- one of those situations where he should have put auctions of shares on the market. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. Chris, what do you think is the reason why he put it on the market? Do you think he's getting traded? Because that was kind of rumor that he might leave the Dodgers. It's really hard to speculate. I mean, that could be what he could be testing the market, just like uh, baseball players test the market in free agency, right? It could mm-hmm. be a sign to Dodgers, hey, he's considering leaving. It could be a lot of things. It could be well, spent too much money on things. And good strategy, you know. Right. He, yeah, but he signed a contract uh, that he's still in. So it's an indication of the Dodgers in 2020. It was a 10-year contract. So he has that. I mean, you know, that can be broken. But I I saw some articles saying that he was selling it because he wanted to reap on the renovations that he did to it. So, Mm. Okay. 
So okay. interesting. Um, Andrew, do you have any questions on that one? Otherwise, I'm going to go into the biggest baseball news there is. Um, in terms of uh, no Mookie bets, it looks like we're, we'll have to see if he gets to sell it. Um, he probably should have held the real estate a little bit longer. But when you're making all that money, you know what's to say you can blow some money, right? All right, right. it's probably better than buying those big old pieces of jewelry that some other famous people buy. So let's go ahead and uh, <laughs> go into the World Series. So much going on. They're one to one, I think, right? Diamondbacks and the Rangers. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. All right. So first, <laughs> I want to talk about um, the pitch by George W. Bush. Okay. And the reason I want to talk about this yep. is because on October 1st, 2001, which we all know is within a month of 9 11, mm-hmm. George W. threw a pitch. Washington Nationals game, right? Right. And he, Derek Jeter, gave him some advice. He's basically like, "You better throw it from the mound, or no one's, no one will respect you at all." Right. And he went, and the crowd's cheering, and there's never been a moment in my lifetime where Democrats and Republicans didn't care about red or blue mm-hmm. more than that moment right there was within a month of 9/11, right? And the crowd was going wild. George W. Bush. We know it's going to be short-lived, but at that moment. He was on top of the world. He was being the commander in chief, and he threw a strike down home plate, and everybody, and just the world was on fire. And you know, we all know that we everybody lost a lot of love for George W. over the years. But I will tell you that game one of this World Series, that moment, there was a capsule in time. Derek Jeter once again talking to George W. You're throwing out the first pitch today. You're no stranger to the first pitch. I remember you well. Yeah, and and tell us how your feelings were back then as compared to now. Well, back then, uh, totally different environment. I'm loosening up. In comes the Yankee captain. Hey, Press. That was you. And uh, I said, yeah. He said, you're going to throw from the mound. I said, what do you think? I would. And then as you left, you said, don't bounce it. They'll boo you. And all I thought about on the mound was you. I tell you what, you're going to throw from the mound tonight? No. Well, this is Texas, so if you bounce it, they won't boo you. No, no. Good luck. It doesn't matter. And George W. goes out on the field, and there's chants at the Ranger Stadium of USA, USA, and it was a flashback of that moment where politics didn't matter. We're one country. And he didn't stand at the top of the mound. He stood at the front of the mound, but the ball made it to home plate, which is better than 50 Cent can say. And Mm -hmm. – it was just a good moment because it reminded you, you know, it reminded you that there was still love for our country as a unity. Yeah. And uh, it was just a, it was powerful to me, but talk about the whole world series, you know, everybody's, there's a lot of complaints about how the Diamondbacks shouldn't be here. And, you know, it's kind of like we got the B squad almost here because in 2019 they expanded the playoffs to where 40% of the major league baseball is going to be playing in the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, at the bottom line is, is like if the Diamondbacks can get here, then they've earned it, right? Yeah. Maybe these other teams aren't that great after all. And now we're tied one and one in the World Series after the Diamondbacks won game two, nine to one yesterday. And what was interesting is Merrill Kelly. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, nine to one? Yeah. Yeah. So Merrill Kelly. Nine to one, dude? That's fucking crazy. Well, and the first game was uh, close. It was six to five. It was a walk-off home run, that was but beautiful. this, but the, by the Rangers. But this game, Merrill Kelly pitched seven strong innings. I mean, he willed this game. If you watch the game, this guy was the life and blood of the Diamondbacks. He, you could say, single-handedly willed the game. Obviously, there was some great hitting, but this game comes down to, you know, the Rangers have a, a lot of depth on offense. Um, not great pitching going on from the Rangers side. But the problem is, is that the Diamondbacks have small depth on pitching. So can they <laughs> just kick Nick off this thing? But can the Diamondbacks, can Diamondbacks last, you know, seven series? If so, it's coming down to a game seven if they win. So it's interesting. I really it's hope so, it does kind of go to game seven. That would be like ideal. ideal so, 
my question for you guys is what are your thoughts on the MLB allowing more teams in the playoffs? Um, I think, I think ideally it actually, I'm still a, a little indifferent on how I feel about the playoffs uh, for having more teams participate on there. Um, I really don't know. I don't have an opinion on that. I could see the opinion on some side though, upset that the diamondbacks are in there because if it wasn't for that, they wouldn't be there. So it could have been someone else. Uh, but I don't think I have an opinion as of right now. I couldn't make the decision for that. Uh, what do you think, though, Chris? Well, I'd say that it's possible that it makes, you know, regular season games in the MLB are already kind of inconsequential. It makes it more inconsequential. But as a Padres fan, I welcome more opportunities to get to the playoffs because we're going to fucking need it. You know? <laughs> there you we're go. That makes sense. It, right? So. Yeah. I agree. I think they, I mean, but the, it's been like that for so long to really make a change to it now would be. Well, look, MLB needs to do something. I don't know. They're if changing it a lot. To do with the, the playoffs. Yeah, they are. They've been changing. Maybe they got to do like less games in the regular season to improve, you know, the quality of the games. Yeah, that would be an idea. I think they've already uh, improved the game a lot by making it quicker for the batter to be at the box and hit the ball or get off type of thing. So the only I problem with that is everybody's, everybody's kind of used to being able to show up late as hell to a baseball game. Now you show up, it's the sixth inning. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> True. But can, can we talk talk about um, the first game? Corey Seager hit that home run that got him back into the game. Tie it with one swing. I mean, it was a beautiful hit because you could see when, as soon as he hit the ball, there was so much joy in his face and everybody was cheering. I wanted to ask you this, though. Adolis Garcia is a killer, right? He is constantly making home runs, a very confident guy. Like, nobody can say that he's not confident. But there's times when he hits the ball and he just stares at it and he, like, he watches it and is on the cocky side almost. And mm-hmm. he just walks for a moment and then he starts running. My question to you is, do you think that's cool to do that? And then the other question is, I didn't get to watch the game two. Did he strike out a lot or did he actually get on base when he was going up against the Diamondbacks pitcher? Well, ego is only cool when you're winning and they didn't win right, yesterday. Right. So, um, you know, you got as muddy waters there. But um, basically, you know, there was nine strikeouts from Merrill and I believe there was – three or four more from the closing pitcher. Um, there wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot of hitting on the, on the Dodgers side. I, I don't know the answer to your specific question, but you mean on the Rangers side? Yeah. But on the Ranger, the Rangers were just not pitching. Well, Montgomery led pitching open pitching. Eventually they pulled them out and uh, it got better for them. Oh, actually can't even say that because most of the points were not scored on Montgomery. It was subsequently, um, but yeah, it just this came down to one team was pitching good, one team was not pitching good. That's really what it came down to, and that really sucks whenever you're the Rangers because your offense is what you have to rely on, and if the other right. team is pitching too good for you, you're not going to win that game. I don't know what to tell you. Try again <laughs> next time. But we all Try know in the World time. Series, you got to win one away, and the Diamondbacks just secured that victory. So, you know, Rangers will probably get one over there. In uh, Arizona, um, I got I got something to add to this conversation, right? Because yeah. the <laughs> it's, not, it's not opening up for me, but oh, here we go. All right. Okay. So, in the beginning of the playoff, the playoffs. Um, this is the ranking from Bleacher Report okay. for the pitchers. All right, for pitching lineup, number twelve, Texas Rangers. Number 11, the Miami Marlins. And number 10, the Arizona Diamondbacks. So the bottom line is we're not going to have good pitching here. This isn't going to be the best pitching in the league, right? So it's it's really interesting because if you've ever been to – if you've ever played softball in an adult league where we don't know how to play baseball at all, it makes the game a lot more fun. And I'm wondering if this World Series is going to be a lot of fun as we go into it because it's not the best pitching. From the Diamondback side, right? 
No, the Rangers were ranked 12 by Bleacher Report, like worst pitching lineup in the whole the playoffs, right? right? And Diamondbacks were 10. So not that much better because they don't have depth. They have like two good pitchers. So are we going to see fun baseball because it's not the best in the world? I don't know. I mean, I guess it would be a matter of finding out what's going to happen next. But I think the personalities on the Rangers, uh, the guys on the team like Adalas Garcia and the others, I think the the personality of the players helps a lot, get the game exciting and things like that. So as long as they keep making home runs every now and then and, and getting to that point, I think, I think it could be a good game unless you know you think I'm wrong. I feel like you're pretending that the Texas Rangers are the Republicans and the Diamondbacks are the Democrats. I feel like that's <laughs> yeah, how right? you view this game. And no, I, I like I like Corey Seager a lot and Adolfo Garcia. What are you talking about? It's clouding your judgment. Do you think this is a political <laughs> battle happening yeah. in front of us? I mean, I mean, you know, I'm always indifferent, or at least I try yeah. to be. But uh, the Diamondbacks well, like, are hey. more, the Diamondbacks are more red. Right. And the, the Rangers oh, are blue. Yeah. So, you know, kind of goes against what you're saying. There. Oh, colors. Well, I mean, look, both of you guys have been known to like more than one baseball team. I'm very loyal to the Padres. I don't like more than one team. So right. I can see I view yeah. this very ind- really indifferently. I can see the Diamondbacks and the Rangers and kind of call it for what it is. But I'm afraid one of you guys might become a Diamondbacks or a Rangers fan after this because <laughs> I think that'll be big. You guys are both fans of the Yankees. One of you is also a fan of the Angels. The other one's kind of leaning to Red Sox. I mean, what's going on here? <laughs> I, I, I okay, but let's you. let's just be clear though. The fact that a Yankee player could be uh, on the side of a of a of a Boston Red Sox Babe fan Ruth, too. Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. It doesn't yeah. matter though, man. Right. Come on, the culture's there. Exactly. You gotta be. You gotta be constantly against the Red Sox. Andrew, you look like a Dodgers fan. But I'm definitely yeah. not a Dodger fan. I know. I know you're not. I know you're not. No, I'm just saying no, no, if no. someone had a profile of you, they would think you were a Dodgers fan. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> I'm Latino I mean, in LA. I didn't, go, hey, I didn't go there, you know? That yeah, that's true. Reason, though, no. The Dodgers were Brooklyn, If the Dodgers were originally Brooklyn. Yeah. Hey, look, guys. <laughs> it was another uh, – this is probably our best podcast together yet. I really liked it. Um, and let's do it again next week. I agree. I think we just need to have Nick improve his uh, his camera a little bit, you know, here and there. We have both to get him out, give him a little both break. Both of you. You guys both need yeah, a little bandwidth. Yeah, you're blurry you on my end, Andrew. You've been blurry this entire time on my end. You guys okay, both need well, bandwidth in your life. I think we do. I think we do. Um, well, this was a good one, guys. And, Edwin uh, Castro, hit us up. We want to talk to you. Yes. Yeah. We want to talk to you. We want to interview you. And then we want you to use me as your realtor, of course. And then Nick can give you advice on, you know, you know, being an investor of some sort. <laughs> and I'll help you spend your money. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you like this episode, please give us a like, comment, and subscribe. Share it with your friends. Excel Under Pressure is what it's all about in life. And we want to go ahead and collaborate with you so we can all work together and win together. Thank you.